then I started moving a lot. And as I was moving, I became much more interested in reading about books that showed other cultures, people living in other countries, other religions as well, because I was always interested in the world. So obviously books are the best way to learn about the world because you can't travel literally everywhere. Welcome to the Bookish Expats podcast, where we explore places and cultures from an expat's point of view. Yes, we have had a name change and there are more lovely changes coming to your ears by the time we start season four in July 2019. In this podcast episode, we talked to Tatjana in her words, quote, a German married to an Indian Chinese or a Chinese Indian, depending on the mood of the day, unquote. Tatjana grew up wanting to live in different countries, so she went into hospitality in order to do so. Of course, at the same time, she read voraciously. In fact, while living in Dubai, one of the six cities she has called home thus far, she met her husband. Just before she moved to India to be with him, she started reading the works of Indian author Chitam Bhagat, and thus began her book education of India and Indian culture. I was fortunate enough to sit down with Tatjana in my home in Shanghai and chat with her about some of Chitam's books that had an impact on her life in India. We also dig into her bookology, her favorite books and places to read them, and so much more. A special thank you needs to go to Nicole from the Expat Cast, who started an avalanche of bookish things happening to this podcast episode. One is Expat Rewind, going exclusively bookish, is a direct result of Nicole interviewing me about bookish things on her podcast. I'll put the link to that interview below. Two is Tatjana listened to a particular episode with me and Nicole and contacted me to find out what bookish places she should go to while she was visiting Shanghai. It is that conversation that led to this very interview. So thank you, Nicole. Hashtag book love. Without further ado, let's dig in to Tatjana's expat book story. Thank you so much, Tatjana, for being on Expat Rewind, the bookish version. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> this year, we're veering the podcast away from any artifact that helped an expat in their first year in a country towards specifically books. You're our first expat guest to come in with a fiction book. So I'm very excited for today. Me too. Yay. Can you give us an idea of your geographical history? Where have you lived in the world? Sure. I'm German born and raised. I grew up in, in Germany, went to school there. However, uh, moved to the Netherlands to study there, hotel management. And uh, part of my studies was, in, was an internship, a half year in Manchester, UK. And then uh, back to the Netherlands, then one year of work in Switzerland, Zurich. And then I got the opportunity to go to Dubai and was living there for three years. And uh, that's also where I met my husband, or then boyfriend, now husband. And he moved uh, quickly back to India, where he was from. And I stayed on in Dubai. So we did two and a half years, roughly, uh, long distance. And eventually, obviously, if, if you want to bring the relationship forward, uh, obviously, we want to be together. So eventually, I moved to India. And that was uh, five and a half years ago. Five years in Mumbai and the last six months in Goa. Will you stay in India for a long time now? Or? No, we never know. So my husband is still in hospitality, uh, in the hospitality and we basically move around every two to three years mm -hmm. and we usually get to know like maybe a month out. So that's that's us. A month? Just, yeah, usually it's quite quick. Wow. Once, once it's decided, it's uh, get and go. Right. That's very quick, especially with the family. Yeah, so I like eventually we hope obviously that once uh, our daughter starts school that we will be able to get a bit more of a 
uh, ahead. That's your geographical movement. How about your book movement? When did you start becoming a bookworm? Quite frankly, I always been a bookworm. Um, I remember reading during high school, etc. as well, uh, quite a lot as well, a lot of fiction always. And then I moved to the Netherlands, obviously during studies, because you read so much for your studies, there was a little less reading for pleasure. But, uh, however, I, I what I do remember is that I always like loved bookstores and libraries, etc. So that was always in my life. I think then also during the time when I was working full time in the UK, Switzerland and Dubai, it's same thing. It's like a lot of book stores I remember but I don't remember much about the books I read so I read very few books then I moved to India and because I didn't have a full-time job I obviously had the opportunity to read much more and also to I, that's actually when I started tracking my books which is I think the reason why I remember much more about the books that I read like in the last few years what do you mean tracking your books what do you do I use Goodreads a lot and I just started uh, being members of book clubs as well and I think the moment you start discussing books obviously after you read them the more they stuck stick in your mind in a way how many book clubs are you in now so right now because we just literally moved a half year ago so i haven't gotten any local ones as of now i have i think two online ones mainly facebook clubs in mumbai i had two book clubs like that physically met so one was uh, i was part of the american women's club in uh, mumbai so that was an expat club uh, i was part of their book club and i did one local mumbai car um, book club there so that was very interesting too have you run any book clubs yeah so the one for the american women's club actually was sort of run by me yeah <laughs> When you first started reading a lot, what kind of things were you reading? So I read pretty much always only fiction. And uh, in the beginning, I read a lot of uh, histori historic fiction, a lot of classics always. So I remember starting off with things like Jane Austen. I loved uh, Alexandre Dumas who I think is way underrated. I love that guy. Uh, so uh, Three Musketeers, I think it's fairly well known. Then I m started moving a lot. And as I was moving, I became much more interested in reading about books that showed other cultures, people living in other countries, other religions as well, because I was always interested in the world. So obviously books are the best way to learn about the world because you can't travel literally everywhere. And so, yeah, that's what I uh, read a little more. And w after I left my full-time job and moved to India, I was reading a little bit more nonfiction just because I felt that I needed something to occupy my my mind um, and that I felt was nonfiction just to learn, basically, about sure. various fields. Are most people in your family bookworms as well? So the funny thing is my apparently my dad's aunt, who I've never met, basically... Uh, my my dad inherited her book collection, which was massive, like a library. However, that was like really those old leather bound, really, really fancy books. And some of them, in fact, in old writing, which is really difficult to read as well. Some of them are really like classic books that I read as well. So my parents read, but I wouldn't necessarily call them bookworms as such. So once in a while, a book, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, no, mine too. My parents didn't really read a lot. My mom, my mom read more of like interesting kind of quirky articles in a newspaper. And my dad read like Oh, not comic books, but like joke books. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know, but I, I think 
all of my, my older brother, older sister, and I read a lot of a lot of different things, and yeah. I'm not quite sure where we picked it up from. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the funniest thing. Sometimes, honestly, for me, I think it's, I don't know how I get there, but we were living in a small village, so maybe it's just the fact that there wasn't much entertainment around, but there was a library, and so we had a library pass, and that was just you know a lot to explore there, basically. So I think that maybe ha- would have been part of it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, for me, it was also pre-internet. So that was the only source That's of other true. information. And actually, we were living together with my grandma. I remember she was uh, reading quite a bit. And she was reading also, like, for instance, they made it into a movie, The Geisha, the last, no, what, like the, the history of a Geisha or, oh, that, okay. that f- became quite famous. So like those kind of stuff as well. Because actually the funny thing is that my uh, grandpa, parents together with my my dad lived in china in the 60s no way for two years huh where uh so they were in beijing back then so yeah. i think that's probably one of the reasons why i was always more interested in the east versus in the west sort of that's always been more interesting so i think that's also why my grandma read those kind of stories sort of from her history background. What were they doing in Beijing for two years? Question. My, my <laughs> granddad, if I remember the story right, my granddad worked for the like uh, trading ministry, whatever sort of thing. And so he was posted there and my office, my grandma came with him and my dad, but my dad was like two years at that point or something, very, very young. But apparently he spoke Chinese first, actually, because he had a nanny, a Chinese speaking nanny, and that was the first language. But obviously lost completely. Are you going up to Beijing on this trip? Or No, we don't. Okay. No, uh, we won't have the time because yeah. my husband is here on work and will be here for this week. <laughs> One more question before we get to the specific books that you literally have in front of you, which yes. is so cool. I'm so <laughs> excited that you brought the physical books. Oh, and this is a good time to give a shout out to Nicole from the Expat Cast. Can you share the story of how you're now in my living room in Shanghai? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this has actually been really funny. So I'm fairly new to podcasts as well in terms of listening to podcasts as well. And I just found Nicole's podcast mm-hmm. a maybe three, four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it because it's the best way to find out about expats and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And she is in living in Ger- as an expat living in Germany. I am from Germany. And so I listened to her, I basically binge listened to her <laughs> podcast yeah. and heard the one that you did as well, where she interviewed you as specifically on books. And then two weeks ago, just out of the blue became us traveling to Shanghai. It's like, wait, Stephanie's in Shanghai. And I thought you're the perfect person to ask about what bookstore to go to in Shanghai. And that's how we actually connected over Instagram. And uh, yeah, then overnight literally it became this yeah let's speed up and let's do this podcast well it's funny because that bookish interview that i did with nicole was the reason that i'm reshaping expat rewind this year because i i was like okay now that i've been on yours i need to keep talking about books because i realized even though it's a huge part of my life i hadn't actually brought it over into the podcasting part of my life and that's ridiculous no 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 it's not because i actually have two separate instagram accounts and one is an extra expat instagram account the other one is a book instagram account because it feels like if you yeah. you talk a lot about books and then there's one expat story or vice versa a lot of expat stuff and then one book and I felt it's just never all like it doesn't always and like line up so that it fits together yeah exactly but during that chat with Nicole it did start That's to true. and I was like oh and I, and I was kind of wavering with trying out different things we did like in the first season of expat rewind not to get too meta but I'm probably going to we did photographs and twitter streams and all Correct. kinds of different things and it 
never quite felt right. So when we had that conversation at the end, I was like, Nicole, you need to come on and do a book interview. Yeah, we, I need to reshape this. So by the end of 2019, it's going to be completely just books <laughs> because of that very interview. So yeah, super, super crazy. Shout out to Nicole if you guys aren't listening to her podcast. Okay, the final question before we get to those books. When you moved countries, did your book reading change? You mentioned you went from fiction to nonfiction, but were there any other changes? I think it was less the country change and more the occupation change that made the difference because as said that in the beginning I was working full-time or studying and then working full-time and so reading was just purely uh, leisure and sort of shutting down after work versus then I moved to India I didn't have a full-time work so at that point I could uh, branch out more towards what I was uh, what I could and want to read and that's what I did that sounds like a beautiful change yeah it was it was lovely and I think I otherwise I might not have gone there but I'm very happy that I did and in fact one of the first books I read after that was Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg CEO of Facebook that, that was a brilliant book like it was a pity I didn't read that while I was still working because I could have applied that to my work and helped other people with that book and it just yeah it came too late for that but obviously you can still apply it now but yeah so let's dive in what book did you pick for this episode I didn't exactly I more actually picked a author more than a book as such as I was mentioning I uh, met my husband who's an Indian Chinese and we met in the UAE and he went back fairly quickly so it became clear to me that we're gonna be married but obviously I might live in India as well so I was really interested to learn more about the country not just as an expat sort of okay you know how, how do people live but a little more about society when all of this went through my mind I happened to see a book in the bookstore and I picked it up and it was by an author called Chetan Bhagat now I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right he is a very well-known author uh, however in sort of high literary circles he doesn't have much of a reputation he writes sort of easy stories a very simple way many people say you know it's just rubbish and just you know you pick it up you quickly read it to for uh, two hours or whatever and then you're done with the book and what's and wrong with that I, yeah, I don't understand that either <laughs> what I enjoy so much about the books which I probably understand why Indians would not is that he really writes about daily life and uh, what the issues of society are and I think that might be just too simple for Indians because that's what they live every day but I, that's exactly what I want to get to know out of that I started one book and just like picked one up after the other and keep kept re reading the first one that I read, I don't actually have with me, it's uh, called Revolution 2020, which is about the rampant money laundering that goes on in India when it comes to education. So universities and schools being built just to wash money and what actually goes into it in terms of quality of education, etc. is secondary. Gotcha. Let's hold on just a second there. So where were you when you read that first book? Dubai. You were in Dubai. Yes. Okay. So you were already met your husband, you knew you were going to move. Correct to India. I probably didn't know at that point that I was going to move, but obviously I was traveling quite a bit already and he is Indian somewhat. So it was always going to be a part of it. There was always a chance obviously we were going to move as well. And what was your reaction to that book when you were first reading it? Honestly, like, I, I take another book as well, which I think was the biggest. Uh, I, it's another one that I read afterwards called Two States. And that for me sort of, it opened up a huge thing because this book is really about the marriage of the author. It's uh, sort of autobiographical uh, as well. And 
the funny thing is that it speaks about the different castes in, uh, in, in India as well and how difficult it can be if somebody from a higher caste would marry somebody from a lower caste. Mm-hmm. However, this book is about two people from normal middle classes meeting up in a high uh, education setting as well, both of them studying, and they fall in love and they think there's nothing easier than this because we're both in the same level, so what could be the problem? However, uh, he is all the way from the north of India, she is from the south, And there could probably be nothing more different than those two groups of people. And this book is about their getting to know each other and even more so about their parents meeting each other and the people, basically. The back cover says, Love marriages around the world are simple. Boy loves girl, girl loves boy, they get married. In India, there are a few more steps. Boy loves girl, girl loves boy. Girl's family has to love boy. Boy's family has to love girl. <laughs> girl's family has to love boy's family. Boy's family has to love girl's family. Girl and boy still love each other. They get married. <laughs> so I love just that back cover basically, and that's why I bought the book. <laughs> okay, so with those two books in mind, Revolution and the Two st- Revolution 2020, 2020 and Two States, does he always have numbers in his titles? What's the third I've one? I've never thought about that, but... Okay. It, Yeah, yeah, it's actually yeah. true, doesn't it? Yeah, wow. a lot of them wanted to grow. Well, okay, let's side note that because I w- listened to a couple of short interviews with the author. Okay. And if I remember right, he was a businessman or in that's finance correct. first. Yes. yes, yes, yes. So maybe that's where the numbers come from. So uh, another thing in India is high achieving career, like education. And there's those five top universities in India. And if you manage them, then you get uh, the high paying jobs. And everybody wants those. So he's out of one of those universities. He did like work in the finance field as well and then he became an author only now when did you learn this information about the author was it like after reading some of these or before probably like there's this little short autobiography always about the books as well but i read that but that i really got into it was only probably after like two three books that i read from him when you were first reading revolution 2020 in two states what were your reactions to these two books I was uh, really surprised. On the one hand, obviously, how much do you really know about India if you don't particularly take an interest in it? The funny thing is I had watched a few of the Bollywood movies, the the big Indian film industry. Yes. (laughs) However, obviously, and they do show that a little bit, but the the movies are always about one person being on the high, very rich family, the other one being from a very low-class family, and that's uh, the tricky point of the movie. And obviously, especially two states is actually about two similar middle class families and the problem becomes uh, that they're from very different localities uh, which makes a difference that really opened up my mind to the diversity of India and, and that's really something that you probably cannot grasp one if you if you don't get there and you see that that Uh, India is one one country, but that's not it. There is no India. There is, you know, it's like for the for the states, you know, like East Coast, West Coast. So we have the same thing in in Germany, West and East, or um, and that's even more so in in India. It's so huge country, and you have that between cities like Mumbai and Delhi. They're fighting sort of, and the same thing between East and West, North and North and South, even more so. And that really became apparent to me. Now, you said your husband's Indian, kind of. What does that mean? (laughs) 
So my husband is uh, Indian Chinese. That means he's actually born in India and he speaks Hindi and he is Indian from like documentary point of view. However, because both his parents originate from China, he looks completely Chinese. And that becomes a little tricky then because he looks Chinese, but he is, speaks and, and everything is Indian basically. Because you're reading these books that include stories about people from different castes or people from the same caste. How does that work when he grows up in India as an Indian, kind of, and then he marries a non-Indian, definitely? How does that all work? (laughs) In the beginning, when I moved to India, I applied for jobs. And one of the interviews, I got asked, what caste is my husband? And till date, I can't answer because my husband doesn't have an answer to that. Because caste system is obviously a very Indian system. Because they're Chinese, they still kind of fall out of that system. So there's no caste for people who move into India after that was originally. Because also officially the caste system doesn't exist anymore, right? You're officially, it's it's not supposed to in in a way. However, the whole system of untouchables, etc. is still very much there. And the more rural you get, the more so. Um, however, because we are living mainly uh, in urban uh, cities, sort of that's that was never an issue. So for it, and you're not supposed to be asked that question, and yet obviously you are. <laughs> however, yeah, so I can't even answer that question where he falls in that system. Speaking of falling within a system, this podcast falls within the podcast ecosystem. <laughs> I know I'm stretching the realm of uh, of transition here, but honestly, we're a podcast. Clearly, we're a podcast. And sometimes I'm a little subtle about what I do with these podcasts. So I want to be very unsubtle, also known as blunt. So here I go. Currently, I have three podcasts. Virtual Expats, Expat Rewind, which is turned into bookish expats, and Changing Scripts podcast, which is about Mandarin Chinese. However, things are changing very quickly in a beautiful way. In June, I will have a new podcast with a wonderful co-host, Summer. The podcast is called Creatively Complicated. In that particular podcast, We'll be talking about the messiness of our creative life, not creative process so much, but why we struggle with the term creative, what we do and don't do that we consider creative, and different things that we find in the media and around us in life that talks about creativity in a way that makes us think and reevaluate what the hell we're doing by using this word (laughs) in every word form of it, creative, creatively, creativity, all those kinds of things. There's a lot of changes happening, and I'm really excited to have you along. So as you were reading these books and reading about Indians and the caste systems and the relationships and the culture, were there bits of the stories that you could relate to your husband and or and or his family? It's it's just really the fact how people have very set ideas about everybody else, about themselves even, but also about every other group. The story specifically is North and South. So the North, uh, Punjab, uh, the state is called Punjab. And those people are really known to party and loud, noisy, lots of alcohol, lots of meat. Their weddings is the really late night. Everybody gets drunk and dances and that's sort of Punjab. Okay. Down South is much more sort of religious. They're both religious, but they celebrate that in a different way, you could say. So down south, it's much more quiet. We don't drink, we don't eat meat. And it really culminates, and uh, spoiler, if anybody reading that, they do eventually get married. And the two weddings, basically, if you were to have two weddings, the further north, you do 
in the evening, late night, and you party the whole night through. Down south, no parties, but the wedding is like five o'clock in the morning, and you get together, for, and you, you know, all what you what you have in mind with the fire and the to the bride and groom walking around the fire and early morning, very sacred sort of. You literally couldn't go more different. And this is how the, the book, basically what the book is about. So many countries have a north-south divide or difference. In Germany, it's more east and west because of history-wise, obviously. Uh, and maybe it's really the stretch of the country. So India is more north and south stretch. So you have the more diverse that's diversity. True, that's true. And I was thinking of Italy with my parents. There's a definite north-south yeah, difference there, too, because it's longer. Yeah, yeah and, right, and yeah. I think it may be also then the, the climate almost that makes a difference. Because obviously north of India means you have the Himalayas there. It's getting freezing cold at night there and or, or during the winter times. Where the south, where you have like... You know, it's much more warmer, much more level climate and uh, the food very diverse, etc., etc. So I think that might make a difference. But how many do you have today? You have three there. Uh, I brought one more, which is one of his latest, actually. It's called One Indian Girl. And that actually, why I grabbed that is because it's really an interesting topic he picks up there, which is arranged marriage, which is another thing that happens in India still, which for me not being in an arranged marriage and obviously that not being a practice in Germany at all anymore has always been completely fascinating for me because the idea of marrying somebody who you shared you know a couple talks like a couple cups of coffees basically with each other is to me completely it couldn't get further from the what we lived through basically that has really opened my mind because she's really going through that with the same thoughts like oh my god I'm supposed to marrying this guy and he I, I don't know him I don't know what he likes what he's like except what he has told me about himself in those couple of Skype conversations and we know how much people don't know about themselves from dating at some point in our life right so that's <laughs> that's challenging yes and what you share to, what you choose to share as well and now not many people necessarily like even in India in the urban India today doesn't no not many people anymore go through mar um, arranged marriages but living together is not common before marriage i mean and i think that's you learn a lot about your partner during that time yes yeah. you know who does the trash cooking who do, doing the dishes those kind of things now in a lot of families in india you have a mate who does it for you so fair enough but still you know there's still things that you learn from one another living together and that's just not happening that's really really yeah. not happening so that's really to me so interesting that puts a lot of pressure on the first few years of a marriage yes yeah. plus then uh, what happens a lot still is that the woman moves into her husband's house which usually then contains also the husband's parents and i don't know out there how many people want to live with their in-laws but it's, it becomes another set of pressure put on the new couple other than getting to know one another but living together with a big family also from what i understand in traditional chinese culture it is very similar where they move in i don't remember if it, i think it's with the the husband's Uh, family but it, in modern china it's less and less it's happening less and less and same same in, in urban india as well that more and more families are really living apart however the problem is that uh that hasn't picked up like for instance what you have in the west that you have like elderly living homes etc because they're really used to being taken care of by their kids at certain age basically and that 
that system is not there. So if you just leave your parents alone, then the question really becomes who takes care of them when once they can't yeah. do it themselves anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And what's happening in China, that's one of the things that is widely covered by the Western media is that the, because of the one child policy, now the one child has oh. to take care of... You know, the, the, well, the husband and wife, if, if that were the, the structure that we're talking about, um, has to take care of four people. So there's a lot oh of pressure yes. because then they'd have their own kids because they get married and have kids so young. And then they have four parents to take care of with the two of them with children in the, in the, in the relationship, too. So it's just it's a lot of pressure. Pressure, yes. A lot of financial pressure. And yeah. And, and I mean, that was always the reason in India why people were so upset sort of when they had daughters. They wanted sons so that like the son stays with them. The daughter-in-law comes in and there's somebody to take care of them. And uh, however, just the same as, as in China as well, then the number of sort of kids is coming down in, in India as well. And uh, I think that's just, there's a lot of change afoot. Sort of. There's a lot of change happening. There's a lot of parallels now that I think about it between China and India, development-wise, development tradition-wise, history-wise, not so much history-wise, but I mean, there's there's a lot more overlap in this family structure that we're talking about than I even thought about until right about now. It might still be the case that you're no longer living in big, big family homes, everybody together, etc. Yeah. However, the importance of family is still there. So what your parents say to your to your boyfriend or girlfriend, whether or not that person is, you know, you can get, go ahead and marry them, etc. There's still a lot of pressure on that. Yeah, for me, that's obviously in the West. It's so you move out when you're moving to college or university or whatever it may be. And you're so excited about your getting your independence, living alone by yourself, etc., etc. And in India, it's still very much the case that you live with your parents until you get married. And either your spouse moves in with you or you move in with your spouse and their parents, whatever it may be. That independence never really happens. And that to me is like... To play the devil's advocate here, then there's also an increasing sense of like isolation and depression. I don't know about in Europe, but in the US, there's a lot of people that go to university, find jobs, etc, etc. And then they live alone. And maybe they can't find a spouse. And they're alone. They're alone. They're alone. They're not tight with their family. They don't have a new family. And there's just there's just such an isolated yeah. depressed yeah and and i think especially also then in the once once the families get older like the parents when they get older and are left alone because the kids are halfway across the country living somewhere else and uh, what happens to them i'm kind of hoping that social media would really help with that sort of going forward because that's such certainly how we connected we were talking about that uh, and i hope that that becomes that's certainly how i stay in contact with my parents whatsapp videos uh for pictures everything and that's that's probably the best thing out of the whole situation so true. but it feels like there are two extremes that we're talking about of being isolated and alone because you have so much independence and then they're not being a choice and family's just there all the time yeah. <laughs> so it's like where's that middle ground of wanting your family to be together but still having some sort of independent life um, and i think within that it, it's just going to take a generation because the parent generation right now still very much has that uh, idea in mind where no we're all living together one big happy family and uh, it doesn't matter if we're happy but we're one big happy family however i think now the more the younger they grow sort of i think 
it will become more and more the case where even the older generation realizes that uh, you know the the young generation has to take off. You have to be flexible for work as well. If your if your job brings you to another city, that's what it is. And either the parents move with you, but probably that won't be the case. So I think that just with the generations have to come. Well, the characters in the books that you've got here, how are they dealing with this? Are they being torn between the independence and family issue, or are they? They yes, they're very very much so uh, about local issues as well in terms of you know studying in one place, family in another, getting a job in a third city. How do we manage that? I think especially in two states with the, with the two marriages, obviously the north versus south, bringing family together. I think the young generation is really portrayed as very progressive, young, modern Indians, but still very much realizing that their parents have a older uh, traditional view on the whole point and. Obviously, trying to manage those different viewpoints between the generations, but it's yeah, it's not easy, and that's well, come to life. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, being someone who's from a fairly new country, <laughs> I mean, granted, my parents are from Italy, which is a much longer has a much longer history, but then even Italy as a country is kind of a loose idea also yeah so it's just it's just like but coming from just an american perspective as if i can cut that off of my head um, <laughs> it's so hard to think of you know kind of bucking up against a very long history like that of those traditions that you want to keep but also have these other characteristics that you know exist that you kind of want to play with too it's like how do you balance the old and the new and i think that's uh, a lot where especially the young generation is really looking towards going abroad because that's for them the you know the, the typical the grass is greener on the other side uh, if we're living abroad then that's heaven and that's the, in, in one Indian girl so she is is such a, a hard working and she has a big job a big finance job as well and she makes millions of, of dollars basically and she's so proud of that and yet when she calls her family which she less and less does because she's afraid that the only topic that she's talking about is okay have you found a boyfriend when are you going to get married are you going to come home is he indian that sort of thing and she she can't be bothered about it. why can't you be proud for me even though i'm not a son i'm your daughter but look at what i have accomplished but that doesn't matter you know you're now 27 and you're still not married and what are you planning to do about that that becomes the key issue and that is something so what she does really is travel all over the world she lives in new york hong kong london uh, because she fears that if she moves to India to her family there is no way of getting off of that problem of when are you getting married <laughs> and that's something that's happening a lot here we were talking about before before we press record we were talking about how there's been at least a generation or two of young Chinese university students who go overseas to different countries and then come back and they've a lot of them have come back and they're going to be they either are the new parents now or they're going to be the next generation of parents soon. And so are they going to perpetuate these traditional ideas or are they going to bring in some of those things they learned in the different places and kind of make a new kind of a new tradition? And and that's, again, also the question, um, are you living in a big family home? Because then obviously grandparents also have a say in how the, car uh, the, the kids grow up. And so that's then you're trying to bring up your child with this modern views of how life could be like. And your your grandparents say or the grandparents saying, well, but, you know, we used to do it that way or this way or that doesn't help. I mean, well, oftentimes in China, 
especially now when the the competition's so tight, the parents are working a lot, and the grandparents will essentially raise the child and spend most of the time with the child. Even even more so than no, then the grandparents will have more impact on how the child grows up than the than the parents actually. So. What do you do? And I'm just an, an outsider basically looking in while I'm in the culture. So it's just <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? <laughs> what's going to happen? Sorry, the biggest impact that the books had on you. Mm -hmm. Again, I, I'm repeating myself here, but it's really for me that he is showing how life is really like in, in India. What are the, the problems that are uh, coming up and in, in what are everyday Indians dealing with uh, in their lives? And A lot of this has been so different from what I'm used to from the West, from Europe, or even like I was living in Dubai for a while, also very, very different, that I think the book has taught me a lot about that life, the background, basically, that I otherwise wouldn't have found out just living in a city, just sort of looking around. You don't really, you, you see certain points of it. Like, for instance, I was mentioning that education is so important in India, it comes to the point that the there is a 10 standard uh, examination and uh, those results get posted on buses. So there's pictures of kids with their, you know, this kid made 98 percentile uh, in their class. And those buses go by and you and, and with uh, newspapers, full pages printed of lists, what kid made what uh, kind of um, percentile. That is so crazy to me because obviously the push or the, the pressure that puts on kids and uh, then the whole society you know uh, if your kid doesn't make a certain percentile everybody knows and what will they say um all of that you will you will see that bus going by you will wonder why are those pictures on the bus and some of those books just taught me a lot about this background that i otherwise wouldn't have had And to me, I've become really apparent that, for instance, I can now watch some of the Indian comedians because some of the jokes they crack, I sort of inside jokes, basically. And that that I understand now. I probably might not have or much later uh, anyway. Um, because it's, it's also those are things that I, I read and understand. But unless you read that and understand that, you don't even think about asking those questions, right? Why, why would you? And so this is really what the books have done for me. So let's backtrack. You, you read the books. You went to India. Did you... Because some of these are the like the romance stories and what A lot of those aspects seem like they would be like stories about the home that you wouldn't necessarily see as you're walking around or having business interactions with folks. So when w is there any time when you first got to India that something happened and, and you're already nodding yes, <laughs> that something happened. This is, oh, thank you. That something happened and you thought, oh, I read about that in the book the or one of the books. Because I think the difference for me is that um, I wasn't, a, we weren't an expat couple moving to India. But because my husband uh, is Indian and he was working there and obviously we, we lived there, but he had Indian friends. So whenever we would meet up, not, obviously not that we were talking all the time about the arranged marriages of, of friends or whatsoever, but uh, we would speak a lot about those those issues about, for instance, uh, one colleague of his that is a Parsi, which is a very special, um, I think, from Iran group, basically. And they are very particularly they are very proud of their religion and, and group and they very much marry within each other. Those kind of things. It's just that 
when we talk about that, uh, I, I always refer back to the books. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've read about something like that. And But even, for instance, I have a daughter. She goes to play school. And at some point, really, somebody was saying, oh, yeah, um, your marriages where they arranged, like, into the group of parents around them. And obviously, in, in Germany, that question would never even appear. <laughs> Why, you know? But in that group, actually, I think we were about 10 moms. And there was, I think, one or two moms who said, yeah, yeah my marriage was arranged. And uh, that was normal to talk about. And that was very, very interesting, sort of. But I think we were also talking about that before. It's just that India is much more, you talk with each other and you get very quickly, very personal. You ask questions that um, I would never ask somebody in Germany uh, when I just get to know them. And uh, if that's an interview or uh, in, a, in a sort of more personal setting, but uh, in, in India, that's very much the case that uh, you very quickly start speaking very personal. <laughs> the five questions. Every country seems to have a set of like three to five questions that people ask when you first meet them. Yes. What are those questions in India? I think I mean, the Probably the question that we will all have as experts is where are you from? Uh, that's oh, not the expats, the locals. Yeah, like, but well, well, okay. The yeah, local, yeah. I mean, between locals, you mean? Among uh, the locals or... Uh, because obviously the thing is that mm, I, like mm -hmm. both of us, you living in China, right, me right. in India, we look very different mm -hmm. from the people there. Right, so right. that's naturally the first question. Sure. I, I usually get questions about my daughter. I usually also how I like, do I like India, etc. What I found really interesting is that when Indian friend, friends meet, yeah. something that people discuss a lot is money. And that is something that in the West, I don't know in Germany is not a point of discussion. How much do you make? How much rent are you paying? And those kind of things. Like, no, you don't discuss money, right? Okay, I, I have to do an American <laughs> high five right now. And I, I say that for a very specific reason. I thought that wasn't done in the US either. <laughs> But I was corrected by my husband, who is also American. But from a very different part of the country than I oh, than okay. I grew up and he said that they did so there's a, there's at least a group in Idaho of people that do this <laughs> and I'm sure there's more than that I'm sure there's more than that but where I grew up you don't you don't discuss rent you don't discuss how much you make you don't like if you're really 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 close friends then you might compare if you're trying to help each other out with maybe you could save money by doing this kind of thing right, but yeah. in a group of people no. no especially people that might be friends of friends you just don't talk much If somebody asks you how much you make and you don't really know know them, exactly, you make that face. <laughs> It's like, what? Frowning. <laughs> yeah. Deep friendships are hard here because the cultures are so different between foreigner and local. The top five questions, one of them does include how much do you make and one of them could be how much is your rent? So there are financial questions in the first few things. And I'm talking like taxi drivers, somebody in a restaurant, somebody that sits next to you in a cafe, like complete strangers will ask so, those questions. So as I was saying, money comes definitely up among friends, certainly in Mumbai. And Mumbai, I have to say, is a very financial driven city because it's a business capital of India. Everybody seems to know what, like, yeah, yeah, we are invested. We just picked up a place in XYZ place. Oh, yeah, I heard it's really low right now, but it's going to appreciate very much. Everybody seems to know the country everywhere in the country what it costs and right now and how much it will appreciate in the next couple of years that seems to be common factor so you, you know that however 
it, what comes up uh, even among strangers, sort of especially amongst women, is like, oh, you look good, or oh, you lost weight, uh, or you gained weight. I so much so that and I really got upset over that. Uh, I'm not very fussy over my weight. This is not something that I'm like uh, crazy over. Um, however, I had met, I we had friends, and we went to their birthday, and I was pregnant, so obviously had put on weight. So we met and met a couple of friends of our friends as well. So one year later, same birthday, obviously I had had my baby and uh, had quite lost quite a lot of weight. And um, we meet the same friends of our friends again. And she goes like, oh my God, you look amazing. So, well, gee, thanks, you know. No, I mean, you look really good. It's like, well, I was pregnant last year when we met, but obviously, I, you know, I lost a bit of weight. Uh, yeah, oh my God. And she turns to my husband and she says, uh, oh my God, you have to make sure she doesn't eat any chocolate because she just looks great that way. It's like, well, excuse me. Number one, my husband doesn't dictate what I eat. <laughs> Number two, I feel good right now. Thank you very much. But this is not like my my key point of my life to look as I look right now. I mean, so this really, this is something and, and looks, I think, in general. If, for instance, like your skin breaks out, strangers come up to me. And say, oh, my God, what happened to your face? And those are things. It's just you don't do that. You know, in, in, in Europe, you would never you ignore things like that. You know, you would never pick that sort of point that out. Yeah. In fact, so. in, in the US, if somebody said, oh, I feel really bad. I have this that on my nose today. You'd be like, no, you look great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No. Oh, oh no yeah and it, it, like again those kind of conversations only happen between really good friends yeah. you would never really mention that to because you're trying to cover it up you wouldn't go to a colleague or something like a more further away person this is so funny I had no idea how similar uh, Indian and Chinese culture are on some level yeah. yeah when I first moved to Asia I was in Taiwan and I rode a scooter everywhere because there wasn't a metro in that city that I was in yet as I was parking my bike to go to my books a bookstore that's so funny when I was going to a bookstore in about to get into my happy place this man just walked up to me as I was parking and wanted to tell me something and his English was very spotty I spoke almost no Chinese at the point at that point and he just points to this giant mole that I have on my face on the side of my face and then he start he actually goes into his wallet and hands me a doctor's card and said that's bad you need to fix it oh in english and i'm like i don't know you it's my first few months there i have a bookstore within reach and i'm just like i want to go to my happy place you're making me want to run to my happy place quicker this is probably a cultural thing this is probably not meant to be offensive but all i could think was i want to punch you i want to punch <laughs> you for making me feel embarrassed about my body yeah i was just like what is happening right now and i'm like and I just looked at the card and I looked at him and I was like, no, thank you. And I just walked away as quickly as I could. I was just like, I, what, what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah. And, and you don't know how to react because I, I really, I generally think she didn't mean any, I, n neither did he. He really didn't mean anything bad about it or it, which is why I didn't punch him. But, but it's just. Oh, I was like, okay, I'm in your country. Clearly, this is what you do here. But I, that doesn't mean I have to be thankful for it right now you know it's like it, oh it's such a crazy moment the, in the books it's it's just straight indian straight indians it's just <laughs> it's just locals with locals kind of yeah, exactly. environments okay and 
Not that I, I mean, the, what comes up with you is that I think uh, still very much the fact that for women, it's uh, much more the focus is on how you look, that you look good, uh, that you make an, a, a sort of an effort about your appearance in terms of also clothing, etc. And it's it's more apparent or more important that you are married by a certain age. It's it's very important that you go to get in a good college for both men and women, for men to make a lot of money, for women to get a man who makes a lot of money. <laughs> and uh that's that's kind of now uh, i think a lot of people would probably say that's changing that's true and it is changing a lot and i think the the advantage is that uh, a lot of women want to have a job they uh, want to progress in their career and because of the maids that you can get in the in the country it's m much more easier as well however there's still very much women who say no i'm i'm need a husband so they can t take care of me basically so it's it's crazy but the whole idea of feminism actually has taken up a lot um in the last couple of years i would say so there's much more talk about you know it's like no as a woman we can do our own we can live our own life and we don't need a husband or a man to look after us and i think that is changing also but that is also changing from a political point of view in terms of that laws are being changed that you no longer need a male a man sort of a male person that looks old over you and after you basically recently the law has been changed that uh, you don't have to change your name and your passport when you get married that's no longer necessary so those kind of things change and they become uh, sort of more open and more equal has your husband read any of these books my husband doesn't read many books he's more newspaper magazine reader have you talked to him about the things in the books I talked to him about things that really struck, struck me, basically. The thing is, because obviously he has never been in an arranged marriage, for instance, so I can't really talk to him about that. Uh, he hasn't been to one of those high, fancy flying colleges uh, either. He went to hospital school uh, as well. Um, I, I have a friend who won, went to one of those schools, and basically and, and the fact really is that the pressure in those schools is crazy and you do have like the uh, occasional suicide case where, where students commit suicide because they can't handle it any longer i do obviously it becomes less and less but in the beginning it was a lot that sort of i had a, almost a list of questions and my husband would come home from work like oh my god i have to ask you something sit down and i want to know a why or whatever i remember the the funniest thing i will never forget that first time we went to the movies uh, in india and The first thing that happens before the movie starts, the Indian national anthem is played and they're showing the Indian flag and everybody has to get up. Just before, after the first time we went to, obviously you get up, la la la. But shortly afterwards in the magazine, in the newspaper, there was a story where two foreigners had gone to the movies. They didn't know they stayed seated and an Indian woman took her hand back and sort of hit them over the head. It's like, how dare you? And like, you know, you, you should, I'm not sure, but maybe they were busy with their phones or whatever. I don't I don't know what happened but anyway they didn't stand up immediately <laughs> I don't know what happened with those two folks in the movie theater but I know that some of you may want to stand up and volunteer to be a guest on the bookish expats ah uh, see what I did there it is really actually quite simple contact me and let me know what country you're an expat in and what book helped you learn about that country Now with Tatjana, we did cover a few books, not just one, but moving forward, here are the criteria. It's very simple. Are you ready? It's going to be quick. It's going to be quick. It's going to be a book about the country that you have lived in or are living in. 
and it needs to be fiction. That's it. Those are the only criteria. If you fit that criteria and you want to stand up and volunteer to be a guest on Bookish Expats, then please, please, please let me know. We love that you would want to be bookishly expat heard. Let's do this. When you first sat down and you had the the books, and I'll take a picture for the listeners, so watch out for my Instagram. I'll put it down in the show notes, dear listeners. But you've got all kinds of post-its and things on it. So how else do you interact with the book? Do you actually write in the books too? So it's really funny. So generally... A, when I buy books, I have big trouble giving them away or parting from them. I do have a Kindle that I work with. I have Kindle on my phone as well. And even now I'm where we move to now, we have a library. So that's great. But when I do buy a book, I read it. I usually would never draw on there or fold pages or whatsoever, nothing. However, once I realize that this is actually a book that I will be rereading or that I love or, or that I want to make uh, notes, actually quite a lot of them, I start and then I write all over the book. And that is uh, funny because then the first pages are completely blank. And then you notice at some point I realize, okay, this book I'm going to keep. And then I, I start writing all over the place. So it becomes really, really used sort of. Somebody introduced me to hashtag bookstagram. And yes, I just said hashtag it loud on Instagram recently. And I was like, what? There's a whole subset. You're probably in bookstagram, yeah, I'm guessing. Yes, yeah. Yes. So that there is like, it's it's exactly, it's not, nothing more, I think, than a, than a hashtag actually that everybody who speaks about books or whatsoever but there is actually a lot behind it because obviously then you have the publishers you have uh, various blocks that are just revolving around the topic um i recently found out there is a whole uh, scene basically that deals with uh, covers who's made covers and which is so funny that i never thought about it because there's there's a saying right don't judge a book by its cover Uh, but yet again when you Exactly. And so many times on Bookstagram, uh, you see uh, people saying, oh my God, this is so pretty. And look, I got a special edition because it's so pretty. And this becomes such a turning point. But yet nobody talks about the people behind those uh, beautiful covers. And so that's something, again, I, I listened to another podcast. It's called The Women Reading. Uh, it's a podcast, blog podcast and so forth. And they had a whole podcast with She the People who, uh, who are dealing mainly with the uh, women in the publishing and specifically women in the cover art business and this is so fantastic because again you know um, obviously a lot of people read mainly it just happens that a lot of authors are white men unfortunately and more and more now people are trying to reach out in other like either women are authors or whatsoever but the same obviously uh, counts for every other uh, industry as well that uh, women specifically in the art department of of, uh, publishers etc are not that often that's so cool and wait what was the book cover what's the name of it again the reading women listeners it'll be in the show notes they do fantastic they do women authors they do interviews they do uh books etc etc and they did one particular podcast with uh she the people i think it's called i i give you the uh one as well and that's uh, specifically about women in the book art departments when you were in the UAE looking for books on India, how did you hone in on these? I think number one is honestly the fact that the uh, author's name, obviously, like, you know, it's it's not 
U.S. American, like very cliche sort of. <laughs> it's not U.S. American. It certainly isn't uh, sort of Middle Eastern or whatsoever. And I think the first one that I had picked up, the uh, Revolution 2020, that also has something India related on the cover. And I think that had just come out, so it was located in the bookstore with this uh, special stand saying, you know, from India, whatsoever. So that caught my eye because obviously UAE means that about I think 30% percent of the expats there are actually subcontinent mm-hmm. expats so a lot of uh, that is geared to them as i was mentioning it's it's a lot about the money laundering in the education system but it's also about a love triangle so that's why you have those three sort of people on the cover so that's a bit from that background but otherwise i just find it very aggressive in a way mm-hmm. also very dark and it's actually one of his books now that i'm thinking about it a lot of his books tend to be obviously dramatic in a way that there, there is conflict etc but they t- tend to end on a happy note sort of happy-go-lucky also in a, in a good way which I like I'm, I'm still reading preferring to read sort of happy books also however this is probably one of the books that he's written that are darker and and make you really think about the don't dark side it. of it don't ruin it for us no no no, no. I'm not it. so it wasn't the cover at all so, no it wasn't the cover it was really because I was much more focusing on India and because this sort of in the in the shop it was mentioning that you know from India, etc., etc. Um, because, in fact, I met the author in Dubai because he came from the Dubai Book Fair and I got my book signed by him and everything. <gasps> so very exciting. That's really neat. And I think he was very excited as well because obviously coming to Dubai and uh, sort of a European picking up his book, I don't think I'm specifically his his uh, target market in the first place. What did you say to him when you met him? And in fact, I gave him sort of the lowdown of my, of my story with my husband being from India and, you know, we're engaged to get married and I'm so excited and India and and uh, I obviously I was traveling to India at that point uh, once in a while I think he seemed happy <laughs> I mean he, I'm buying his books so I think he's happy in general <laughs> now language wise were these written in English or were they translated no, he's, from... he, he writes in English that's actually an advantage in uh, India versus I'm not sure if that happens in China that there are actually quite a lot of people a lot of authors who do write in English because of the obviously the the English the British rule, the colonialism, that uh, English obviously is a major language in in India as well. And uh, a lot of people do write uh, in English, so you don't even have to translate them. So on those post-it notes, what are the kinds of things that you note it i mean you don't have to share specific things unless you want to we're open here (laughs) yeah so it's just like small funny things that i sort of um sort of to portray the two different very different cultures of those two different states those are they're coming from when you when you highlight them it's always like oh my god this is so funny it's like now i have to read them but because you've read the whole book and you've read multiple books of it, it may not seem significant to you, but I bet you it'll be interesting to the listeners. <laughs> but it's like some of that is also what I'm wondering is if it's uh, if you take it out of context, yeah. you know, if it's still uh, relevant. So what I feel with him is it's not that it's not, you know, those uh, things that you highlight and uh, you post on Bookstagram or wherever and you're like, oh, my God, this significant sentence that uh, changes my life. It's just that, uh, you know, it, it, it says a lot about yeah. the paragraphs. And that's actually where I meant that Bookstagram moment to go to. And I completely got lost in my own question. <laughs> so thank you for the opportunity to, to circle back to that. Were there any things that you that you Bookstagrammed about any of these books? So the thing is now... 
again, Bookstagram, my Bookstagram account started about four months ago. <laughs> so very, very recent, actually. Hence, I basically started with the books that I really, really read either very recently or that I'm reading right now. In fact, I uh, just finished for the last three months War and Peace. You finished War and Peace. These are words not said together, usually. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very proud. I would like to make that for this to make it into the podcast. I read War and Peace. So I was bookstagramming a lot about either that or books that I'd recently uh, read and finished, etc. And again, I'm reading also obviously a lot of books about various other cultures, either Indian or otherwise. And those are things that I'm trying to put in there. But just generally sort of what I'm reading, what I'm reading. But I do post some quotes, not like from I haven't from those books but from yes from uh, from War and Peace I did although funny enough it was about like a German thing that he wrote like a Russian book mentioning the Germans and their uh, sort of how particular they are and everything <laughs> made me laugh so I posted that because I thought um, I'm, I'm not German enough that I can't laugh about myself as a German so <laughs> no it's, it's good to laugh at ourselves mentioned yeah, he- in the book a character mentions uh, obviously it's in a war situation and at that point uh, Russia Russians and Germans were working together on one side, if you would like. And uh, sort of the one Russian uh, general says, uh, yeah, so I was out with this German general and he was starting to be particular. And once Germans start getting particular, they just don't end. So sort of something along those lines. And it made me laugh. (laughs) 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 Were there any of those stereotypical examples in in Chitan's book? Did he stereotype any Indians on any sort of jokish level? in any of these books. The, the funny thing is like, I don't know how much of that is stereotyping in terms of cliche over the top because I feel that a lot of that is actually also true. Well, stereotypes exist for a yeah, reason. Ex- yeah, no, exactly. I feel like when I come back to India after this, I'm gonna, it's like, they're going to catch me at uh, into immigration. It's like, what have you been talking about? I can assure you right now, one, it will not be published by next week. And two, <laughs> that I don't think I have any listeners in India yet. <laughs> we Will change so that. You're safe. <laughs> I don't know if you want that right now. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Actually, uh, Shitan Bagat is very active on social media, Twitter, for instance. So I'm not sure he might not pick up on that. Mr. Bagat, this is your chance. <laughs> well, now, now you've kind of challenged me to in- include him when I publish this episode. Why not? I do things online. <laughs> Since meeting him in person, have you tweeted him at all? Well, because you read these all before you met him, so yeah. you haven't read anything else. But no. would you, if you read another book of his, would you t- would you social media him? Any reactions or I, questions? I've been doing that actually quite uh, actively with all my... Uh, for instance, last year I read Pachinko, which is about Korea-Japan yeah. story. The the author is quite active on Instagram as well, so I, I included her as well, and uh, so various as well. For instance, one of my favorite books last year was The Gospel According to Coco Chanel. It's so funny because Coco Chanel, the Chanel, obviously everybody just has the fashion house in mind. Many people will know about that there was a woman called Coco Chanel and obviously her style is the Chanel style and maybe you know about the scent and maybe you know about the little black dress but it about finishes there. So actually one of my favorite books that, oh, last year was uh, The Gospel According to Ka- Togo Chanel. The author is Karen Cabo and also very active on, on social media. So when I posted about her book, she liked it, which obviously made completely my day. <laughs> that was a crazy book because really not a lot of people know about the, the story and the book is very 
like it's it's not one of those dry biographies, but written in a very light and funny way. But it really shows how much of a feminist that woman was, such a powerhouse woman, um, making her own fashion house in a time where women belonged in the kitchen, basically, and nothing else. Not working and definitely not her their own boss, sort of. So that was fantastic book that I read. Stereotyping, basically, I think that I was thinking about is always that stereotypes of Germans in India are always like Second World War related. And they laugh about that. And many Germans, me included, still very touchy-feely about that <laughs> and um, we cannot laugh about that so I, I'm still very sort of when when people make jokes about that I'm usually staying quiet I'm not saying much about that because the interviewer part of me wants to ask you what they say and the human part of me wants to like gently move on <laughs> but you've mentioned it in an interview so you know the interviewer part of me is going to exactly. ask you <laughs> no we could talk about it no, okay okay just, in in terms of making jokes about it, I I find it still too tough because it's it's just obviously to an extent what happened during that time. I find it's like how can you joke about that in on any level? Slightly confusing me right now. How are they joking about it? Do you have it's, a, like- it's to to one extent something that happens quite commonly actually. It's the fact that if somebody is very particular about it, it's like oh don't be such a Hitler about it. Which is, yes, exactly. Thank you very much. For me, it's like, uh, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. That's like very connected tangent. Immediately. <laughs> Which doesn't make sense. Trevor Noah, he's from South Africa, but he's a late night show host oh, in the US. Yeah. Have you read his book, no, I Born a Crime? No. <gasps> oh my gosh. Highly recommended. And there is a Hitler connection in there that I'm not going to spoil for you because, oh gosh, I don't think it'll be funny to you. Shoot. Okay, no, 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 I definitely. I don't know if it will be funny to you, but the the end result of the story is not connected to. Well, I don't know if it'll be funny, but the book is amazing. His his can yeah, it's it's truly truly amazing. And I I do a lot on audio because I'm out and about more than I'm sitting still at this point in my life. (laughs) I'm restless, and he actually read it in the audiobook form. So it was really really spoiling to hear him tell the stories in in his own voice because I think I think he's a pretty magnetic personality in addition to a lot of other traits of his. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But there is there is a, a story with a character named Hitler that is not that Hitler. And that's, yeah. that's the problem, obviously, that uh, you have people, uh, even in India, you have people called Stalin. And because it's uh, sometimes a, a, they don't either they don't know the, yeah. the background, the historical background, or the other, almost the other extreme is that people really think that obviously Hitler was a bad person, but that he fought for the rights and or, or for his country's people. So he stood up for Germans. And now I would like to point out that I think that is not the way to do it. Right. No, I agree. Agreed. That's, you know, there's other ways to do that and, and stand up for your own country's sake. But uh, that's sort of what, what they think is uh, maybe it's not all bad. And yeah. to be fair, part of, not to, I'm not going to tell the story, but part of the point of Trevor Noah telling the story was to show that that was the beginning of his awareness that things that he grew up with were not thought of the same in other cultures, even with in South Africa. Yeah. So it was the beginning of his awareness of hmm, cultural sensitivity, shall yes. we say. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he does circle around. I'm just going to use that every other sentence. <laughs> he does circle back to that moment. <laughs> New favorite word. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. There's an elephant in the room right now. Oh, gosh, that wasn't meant to be an Indian pun. That's just a phrase in English. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't even realize that. 
But there is because we've been talking about you reading this whole time and you clearly have many languages at your disposal. So what language did you start reading in? I always read in German in the beginning because what I have realized since I moved abroad is very, very uncommon, but is natural in German, is that everything gets translated, which means when English movies, either from the US or UK, whatever, come to Germany, they get translators. And so when we watch uh, whatever the Marvel Universe or whatever, uh, it's all German language. They speak German. Oh, so the sound is dubbed over. Yes, it's dubbed over and there's not even English subtitles, nothing. And so, which is, I would say is actually a disadvantage because I realize now that other countries in Europe where that's not the case. So where, for instance, the Scandinavian countries, they don't dub over, but they have local subtitles. The English of the natives there um, is much better because they are sort of uh, exposed to English as in spoken in America or UK, wherever, much, much earlier on, basically. It's fantastic. You don't have that in German, which is probably the reason why there's such a horrible accent. <laughs> Most of my teaching English career was done in Northeast Asia, where there's a much stronger Different, first language yeah. accent coming over. So yeah, I'm a little skewed on in that regard. <laughs> On the um, European spectrum, you're saying that yeah, there is a strong. I, okay, maybe it's just because it's my like from my own and just yeah. So in in again in uh, German ev- Germany, everything is translated. It's movies, but also books. So you would never even think about picking up books, and you actually have to go to specific bookstores in usually in the city center, which would have specific sections on English books. Otherwise, everything is German, um, basically. So hence, I would anyway, uh, you learn English at a later stage in your life. So you, uh, you read German, and you would read it very long. So at what point in your multi-country trajectory did you start reading in English? <laughs> Once I knew that I would be studying abroad and would be studying in English, I started more and more I was the first thing was I was watching English movies like movies in English just to get started basically and getting a head start on understanding etc and then I think I was reading a little bit in English but it's just uh, I think you you try to avoid it probably it's just easier to read in oh yeah <laughs> it's not relaxing if you have to like constantly think about what you're reading exactly. yeah or, or like pick up dictionaries to understand certain things etc then again I moved obviously for studies which meant that immediately I had to read in English and that just made it much easier and then I also didn't have a choice anymore I had to pick up books in English because in, in German was nothing available anymore and so anyway then I moved to the UK and there's only books in English available so from then on I realized from from then on and still I'm reading uh, books especially written by like written in English I read only in English and the only books that I read in German is basically written by German authors that makes sense I mean if you can read it in the original language why wouldn't like, why you, would you yeah exactly. the only question obviously becomes what's available and that's when I made have made a point now that when I go to Germany I go to bookstore I take the next person that looks somewhat sort of you seem to have an idea of what you're doing <laughs> and I say it looks like I'm I am German I'm living abroad what do I what's a big thing right now in Germany what are people reading so that I pick up something like that basically. okay so you've got German and obviously English what other languages do you have at your disposal for reading books for reading books nothing reading books, else nothing. I've I've this is getting very embarrassing <laughs> I learned uh, Russian actually as my second language <laughs> How is that embarrassing? That's impressive. No, to these ears, that's very impressive. I, 
No, I, that's true. But the thing is that uh, having had Russian in school for, I think, about six years, I cannot read a book in Russian. I can I, I can read the letters in terms yeah. of they have a different alphabet. Sure, right? yeah, Cyrillic, so, yeah. yeah uh, so I, I, could, I can read it. I can't understand what it tells me. Or let's say I, I do certain words, like, you know, those little like and or the, <laughs> that kind of stuff I understand. I'm very happy with that, but not the book. That was my third language. I had French for a couple of weeks in ho hotel school. Uh, I had Italian for eight weeks in hotel school. And uh, my... Hindi is more than basic and I can't read the script. That's another thing, right? Because India has all those different languages, Hindi being the, the main one, but you have those local languages and, and accents and whatnot. If you were to sum up your experience with these books. <laughs> it's it's been fantastic. And I think one question she did send me. It's like, I've been recommending those books like yeah. right, left and center to people. Mm -hmm. Specifically people that said they like to read, basically. Yeah. Now, I also have to say that I recommended it to my book club recently. Unfortunately, I wasn't in Mumbai anymore when the book club discussed it. I think from what I got feedback from them, they didn't like it that much. because I'm not sure why, but um, the thing is that I'm always making sure to say, look, it's it's very simple. It's not, it certainly is not one piece. It's not Shakespeare or anything. I just, I'm really reading it as a foreigner coming to India about the society and to learn a little bit more uh, about what's going on there. Things that, especially I find, again, uh, I'm married to an Indian. I have the, the direct intel on, on a lot of those things and somebody to ask. Um, and if he doesn't know, then probably somebody he knows that I could ask. However, for many expat couples where both are non-Indian, maybe the husband through his work will have some context to an Indian, but those are not the people you would generally ask questions, you know, it's like, where did you study? Did anybody of your colleague, uh, of your of your peers ever commit suicide? You know, that no, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, so, that would be awkward. <laughs> over coffee uh, and a coffee break basically that's that's something that i basically learn from those books and i'm not saying that this intel is like spot on and and the truth and there's nothing else to learn about india whatsoever there is there's multitude on on uh, again uh, religions regions etc etc it's just it opens up your mind about how much there is and how much to learn and maybe some questions to ask if ever you get to meet an indian that you can ask questions sure. basically here's a bad analogy for you um just like one person isn't what you need for the rest of your life i mean not one book isn't going to fulfill everything you no. need to know about any one place and and that's something again that's something where i loved uh, having a book club that is uh, local was a local book club i loved talking to my expat book club about expat books that are all over the world and and that was fantastic but uh, especially when it comes to india obviously it was great to have a book club of indians with indians however i have to say if you go to book club to people who read a lot and who who know they read a lot and and talk about those books if I come with those books to them, they, you know, it's like roll their eyes. It's like, oh my God, you know, is this all you read? And it's like, no, but again, the, the point is for them, what is boring for them, I can completely understand, is I learn a lot from those books that for them is just a day-to-day -day life that yeah. they... Uh, that they've grown up with. That's so no so normal. Why would you read that? But it's something that I would have never found out probably. 
Have his books not sold well in India? No, 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 not at all. That's actually the funny thing. It's I, th- I think it's a bit the thing. I think you have that everywhere where you have authors that people who like to think of themselves of, you know, no, I'm a reader and I'm like I'm not sure what the word is. Like, you know, it's like I'm I'm better snooty, read. snobby, yes, 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 elitist. Snobby, sort of, you know, yeah. <laughs> I know better than to reach it, right. sort of. But then there's enough people who either don't care really or who, I don't know, like just read whatever, you know. It's like, and, and quite frankly, it's like I literally read everything. everything. Yeah. Um, and I have to, I will never forget when I was in Dubai, I had just gotten my Kindle. And um, I had heard about Fifty Shades of Grey. And however, this being Dubai, where obviously certain things are just not, you know, the book wasn't really discussed or very broadly advertised. You could buy it in stores, but I think there was even a tag on there 18 plus, something like that. That's all. So I never got the notice of what it was about, but I only knew that everybody was talking about it. So I had picked up the Kindle and I downloaded the sample and I read the sample. It's like, well, that that sounds interesting, but the sample never got to this uh, point where it gets very explicit. (laughs) It didn't reach there, but you couldn't, you notice that something was fishy, something was going on. So I was sitting in a, in a coffee shop and I was like, oh, damn it. I want to know what, what happens. I downloaded the first book and I'm sitting in this, you know, UAE, Dubai. Dubai is very, very obviously liberal compared to the rest of the Middle East. However, it's still Dubai. It's still the Middle East. And I was sitting there and I was reading and suddenly got to the point and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) And I was like completely turned red and I was looking around can anybody read what I read here and that was sort of I was like oh my god so I read sort of Fifty Shades of Grey and I read I read all those three books because I thought it was again it was not Shakespeare or anything but I thought it was actually quite a gripping story leaving all the explicits aside that got a little much I felt at some point I was like oh come on you know but uh, there was actually some story to that as well and I I don't I don't have problems reading that I mean but yeah I also read War and Peace I love Jane Austen exactly why wouldn't you read the range I mean exactly no I read it too and I I was working with two girlfriends at the time and we were reading it kind of accidentally at the same time and we'd walk in and like show our posters and go did you get to this part yet oh my god kind of thing and I I was hesitant to watch the movie and I did and I was like how much how did you leave all of this out like all of the the interesting parts, I feel like we're just like cut, 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 cut. And I, I didn't watch a censored version anywhere. I would just watch yeah. the, the whole version of the movie. And quite like, frankly, what? I, I don't even know the movie I think came out when we were in India. And India is censoring, but not to the point that the Middle East censors. I think I still haven't watched the whole movie uncensored because you can't get hold of it, basically. And I read the, the books and I think many readers will agree that just usually the books are much better and in this case it's so 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 true again not that it's like the most groundbreaking whatever story or whatever but it it it, it is a page turner i got through it super fast i i agree and that was again it's not a book that i would read over and over again and and again i think it's also the different how different it is i've never read anything like that before and uh, especially like so graphic and and so forth and to the extreme it gets and it's certainly not something i would pick up again but it's, it's for that one time, I think it was brilliant. So there's a movie I watched on the plane last month called Book Club. Have you seen this movie? Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, because they read 
Fifty Shades oh, of Grey. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I think they get through all three of the books by the end. I forget. I know they definitely did the second one. They, I think, yeah, I think they start with the first, and everybody's like, "Oh, come on, we're not going to yeah. read that, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And then they start, and just like what you were saying, you know, once you get into it, yeah. it's, it's. I couldn't pick it, put it down. It's, so. it's hard to, to read that book and compare your life to it. <laughs> and I thought what I thought was so brilliant about obviously not just taking the like the book club reading that book, but also obviously that the book club is not young girl you know it's an older generation and i think that's a whole different twist then yeah. to the to the movie and discussing a book etc and even so i love the fact that they did think about their lives and make changes it's like you think oh after a certain point your life is just set oh no there are drastic changes that happened and i was i was just watching it going this is an awesome movie first of all there's a movie about a book club i'm in yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. i don't care how boring or interesting this is i'm watching the whole damn thing <laughs> Somehow I have other like Indian authors and so forth, and I've read some as well. Don't nail me down on that. But it's it's just that I'm really trying to read just anything that is sort of all over the place. I'm really diversifying my reading. And that just means also, as I was saying, uh, Pachinko last year and uh, Exit West, another fantastic book I thought I read last year. So just a little bit about everything. I go through phases where I want to read about a specific country or city or place and that's, yeah that's true and that's so bad with me right now i was uh pachinko time also i think pachinko got me into that korean south korean culture like pop culture yeah the movies i, I think oh my god they're so good yeah, yeah exactly and so i got a lot into that and i haven't really gotten into books there yet but i i've been told they're also similar like books that are very similar to those movies yeah and th i'm surprised i haven't been dragged into although i've never lived in korea i've been in northeast asia long enough that i should be watching korean soap operas i do love k-pop and, and j-pop music and and so the and but pachinko was obviously because it's korean moving into japan etc etc i so i read something else and now i that's why i bought the book now uh, from china to to read a chinese author but just there's so much and obviously i read crazy rich asians oh hold on i'm thinking i have not read the book i have seen the movie yeah. And sometimes when I see the movie, I can't go backwards. That's that's very I yeah. Too. And I specifically when I notice that there's a movie coming out that the book I haven't read but mm -hmm. I wanted to read, I don't watch the movie because I know I won't. Go have back. you seen the movie? Yes, I have. And you've read the book. So yes. is the book better? So I have read all the three books. Oh, there's three. Okay, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Because the second one they're actually going to film in mainland China. Oh, right. Yes, because there's quite a few uh, like they've set quite a few pieces in in China. So in general, the books versus the movies for that one um, or that series I, I thought it was brilliant actually uh, the book I thought it makes definitely sense to read the book first and to read it but I thought the, the movie made a, had a great jump on, on the on the book in terms of the lavishness of the lifestyle and because I think that's really again it's not a not a sort of masterpiece of literature but again it's a piece that gives you a lot about the culture and again my husband being Chinese this whole idea like Ama and the Hong pals and certain things that I just knew and I was laughing so much because I remembered when I came and met my husband's family for the first time and now 
I, I want to make a shout out here. They are not crazy rich. <laughs> so that's a whole different level. But she comes into this huge family where thousands of people and everybody is uh, somehow related to one another. But I came basically and uh, during Chinese New Year in Kolkata, India, and I met his family for the first time. And as I was just telling you on the way here, he has 29 cousins from his mom's side alone. And to come as a German-looking white and having a family I, my family is literally my dad my mom my brother and one uncle with his wife and two cousins that's all and then I come to this massive family and literally we did just one day as you do during Chinese New Year and you just hop from family home to family home and it's going coming going coming and new people all the time and I remember after 12 hours of that coming back to the hotel headache as hell <laughs> and it's like okay we need to sit down yeah. who are all those people <laughs> to some extent i could relate to her it's like what is going there's on there's so much going on. actually now i'm remembering it was aquafina the act the comedian she's the reason why i watched the movie oh, first because okay. I, I i've fallen in love with her her work and her sense of humor is is off oh, it's so funny to me it's so so funny so i didn't know any of that because it's obviously it's american movie in terms of a lot of them are american chinese actors well actually one of the main guys is is filipino there were some there were people from from various quote-unquote Asian backgrounds and yeah. that's what pissed a lot of people off is that oh, no, it wasn't Chinese yeah not Chinese or Singaporean or yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, but uh, yeah okay so yeah. American Asian you could say basically yeah yeah I think and they kept saying oh it's an all Asian cast this is so rare it's like um no in the world <laughs> in Asian countries that's the norm that's, that's just, so it's just the way they premised it really really put a lot of people off but I think as a movie it was very cute yes and I still think uh, I'm still pushing for it in terms of that's a Hollywood movie of with course. an all Asian cast yeah. and I think that I still think that's worthwhile celebrating that you just need to sort of it, it's diversifying people's views of, of the world there is not just wide people I know what you, you mean agree. I, I know that. what you mean but the thing is that it's diversifying them but as one culture that's and true. they're not I mean somebody in the Philippines is a very different cult and I, I I shouldn't even be sticking up for them because I'm not from any of these cultures but I will try maybe but I mean somebody from the Philippines versus somebody from mainland China versus somebody from and Singapore the, the yeah funny thing is look uh, also me coming from Germany being in Germany I remember saying that Far East Asian people all look the same to me that is so cliche but it's true it was true at that point right and they all look the same to me now I'm so impressed because I was living in Asia uh, a lot of Asians coming to Dubai as well when I was sitting there a lot of Filipinos there and now that I'm looking watching Korean sort of uh, Korean pop uh, TV shows as well and um, I was coming into Shanghai at the airport and I was like oh my god look they're from Korea right oh my god look they're from Japan and I'm so <laughs> impressed with myself that I'm even able to tell the difference yeah. and uh, but this is something that you can only do once you're somehow thrown out there and sort of meeting people. One of my best friends from the studying time, he is half Filipino and I was traveling in the Philippines and now I'm here in China and I know people, obviously I'm in India. India is Asia as well, but you couldn't be more yeah. diverse and different from comparing India to China, obviously. So yeah, now I know that, but obviously for people living in Europe or or in sort of... U.S. You can just throw. <laughs> yeah, throw no, 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 and it, and it goes both ways. Even in Shanghai, which is very cosmopolitan, 
in many parts, there is still some places where if you go to a local restaurant or cafe or something, and there are only two foreigner, two white foreigners, let's be specific, they might confuse your drinks because they can't see the difference in our faces either. Yeah, it really yeah. does go both ways. And it's not necessarily with a, with a, like a prejudice behind it. It's just... I'm not familiar with the differences of where to look. Is it the eyes? Is it the nose? Is it the mouth? And it just, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I've been told that as well, and we had the same thing in in, uh, in India as well, where I have a very good friend of mine and she is happens to be German as well. And wherever I would meet her and she would be there already, I would come into a restaurant, oh, your friend's over there. Already being told because obviously the one expat in the restaurant and another one coming and you guys must know each other yes <laughs> how else could it be this happens to me so often and i'm just like i don't know what you're talking about i'm sure you're a nice person but i don't know what you're talking about yeah I'm i like, don't know that person no 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 this is odd <laughs> for the future bookish episodes of expat rewind what questions are missing what else should i ask people you've already given me two ideas one about the book covers and two about movies and books and of the That's book true. versions and so you've given me too so we can skip this question we, or uh, i think what i just hit my mind is like in terms of bookish places um you had to told me about the restaurant you know that here the press which is sort of sort of book related but just about other bookish places where you go where you read your bookish like what you were saying you know that your bookstore that you go to is a happy place mm -hmm. and those those type of places maybe that's like you know what i do after people give me a question to use in future interviews mm -hmm. i turn it on them yeah <laughs> so <laughs> so you get to pick because you were living near mumbai and now you're in goa so either place what is a bookish place you can share with our listeners i uh, well actually it's always obviously some e it's a quiet place in terms of i mean i can also read in a starbucks for instance uh, that's fine too however i think it helps when there's a sort of zen atmosphere in the place can you give us a specific place Yes, and we I promise can. not to go and and uh, and stalk you. <laughs> when, when you come to either when you come to Goa, you can probably find me there, and you're more than welcome to talk to me there. However, there's a few experts there, so please. <laughs> so in Goa, uh, I'm very close, living to the capital city of Goa, which is Penjim, and uh, they have a little, slightly secluded, secluded gallery museum type of thing very small quiet and they have a courtyard and around that courtyard is a cafe basically that cafe seating during summertime it's outdoor seating in the rain time it's basically only on the um, porch and it's just a small little cafe they have very nice coffee uh, food also uh, but it's just that sort of gallery feel around it mm -hmm. and secluded this closed courtyard feel and it's not like buzzing with tourists but very very nice um so i absolutely love that place uh, it's called cafe bodega yeah um, -E um, well, otherwise uh, in mumbai i have to give a shout out here uh, my absolute i love chai like the indian chai I, i drink tea anyway but indian chai specifically and there is a chai at uh, taj mahal tea house i think that's memorable <laughs> in Bandra, Mumbai. And my friends will love now because they know I, I like you can find me there probably almost every other day or something. And it's a brilliant place because it's a like a bungalow they took. They renovated inside and out, which is a spe special thing in Mumbai. You usually only do up the inside. <laughs> so it's done up inside and out. And it has this really 
old world charm and it has those different seating. You can have your own uh, armchair where you can rest. They have books standing everywhere. So if you forgot your own book and then they have those terrific chais, different chais, basically vanilla coconut chai. When you go there, I can only recommend. And uh, the staff there is fantastic. So we need to go right now. Yes. Plane. Let's get back on a plane. You can get a, Yeah, we can do this. We can be back in a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we head out. Oh, the thing I was going to tell you earlier. I'm going to keep this in here because I'll just include a wreck of my own. Why not? Garden Books in Shanghai. They have... Oh, no, no. You'll say... What yeah, do, I went there. Did you go? Yes. Did yes. you have the gelato? Oh. Which seems like a weird combination for Shanghai, but ice cream's not really a Chinese thing so they tend to bring in European uh, ice, creams ice creams and whatnot which is wise because the American ice cream sucks um, so so why not <laughs> um, include chocolate and other things but anyway the, the point is they have I don't even know where the gelato is from but it is disturbingly good like like global good not just good for china oh my God, no, and so back. yeah and you can actually get they have this things change a lot in shanghai but last time i was there they had this sampler thingy where you could pick three flavors and i believe it was three flavors in a coffee or something like yeah. that for a certain price it's not cheap it's shanghai, it's shanghai but it's garden books so you've got a variety of local and foreign books in english and in other languages yeah yeah among them for instance german which completely blew Yay. me away it's like the, i looked through those german books like most random them, so <laughs> <was> like, wow <laughs> too funny yeah and they have the gelato so you can sit yeah. in there and it because there's so many cafes in that neighborhood it is not generally packed it's one of the few places in Shanghai you can go and get a seat it's and it's, it's gorgeous also to walk I, I love that street uh, around there and uh, yeah it's beautiful and otherwise the international bookstore that i went to uh they don't have coffee sorry no but they have like the selection of books there i found impressive both in terms of uh like you know foreign authors but also chinese books in uh, in english so that was really really great fujolu f-u-z-h-o-u that's basically book street it's funny one of the books that's behind you was the story in it was built revolves around this family that had if I remember right, the entire block or two of wow. Fujolu, because it's not that long of a street. Yeah. So the because people had very large properties at the time that the book was yeah. written. And so the family had that street. Wow. And so I was reading that after being a big fan of the bookstores and, yeah. the, and the calligraphy shops and all that that's oh, on yeah, Fujolu. Right, yeah. I'm reading that going, you owned the whole street. <laughs> that street. Are you kidding? And it's a true story. Yeah, yeah. So um, I forget the name of the book right now because my brain is fried, but I will put it down in the show notes for the listeners and I will definitely tell you as soon yes, as we yes, move yes. that chair. <laughs> <laughs> I have the world's smallest living room, by the way. <laughs> But yeah, I can't thank you enough for coming here yeah, thank and you doing so much this. This is so much fun. So last minute, this was literally a, a matter of two weeks. You no, know, this coming. this this is what the internet is for. Shout out to Instagram. <laughs> Seriously, shout out to Instagram, to Nicole, to yes. all kinds of things that make make stuff like this possible. And shout out to all of the free software that goes into making this podcast. <laughs> And of course, to the lovely listeners who listen to these these long conversations about bookish expatty things yes. and and future episodes like this. Yes. Very cool. Oh, 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 we can't forget the most important thing. If listeners want to connect with you online, how should they do that? Yes, please do. So as I mentioned, actually, now during the podcast, I have uh, two channels. Uh, one is the expat channel. The Instagram is uh, Craving Expat Life. And the book is uh, <laughs> and, uh, My Kingdom for a Book. Oh, that's good. Yes, uh, Shakespeare sort of. Uh, it's my horse for a book, but, uh, for a kingdom. But uh, it's yeah, my, my book for a kingdom. 
shit I need to do. <laughs> That's fine. I'll put it down in the show exactly. notes. Whichever way it goes, so, I'll put yeah. it down in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Contact me either book-wise or expert-wise. I'm happy. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you, you very much. And while we're thanking everybody, let me thank you, the wonderful listeners of Bookish Expats. It's because of you that I've continued to make this podcast in all of its incarnations. Additionally, Damon Castillo has graciously allowed us to use his music from the Mess of Me album on this podcast. You can find his information at DamonCastillo.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or want to volunteer to be a guest on Bookish Expats, please do contact me at DefFuccio, S-T-U-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O. And that is my handle absolutely everywhere. It's also my Gmail address. We'll also be adding Bookish Expat social media once we get closer to July. Thank you so much and more soon.